Ladies and gentlemen, the American people made the demand. They yelled in their collective voice, we want a relief package. And Congress, in their ever honorable fashion, just said to the American people, we humbly oblige. And we stood tall and saluted the flag. And they passed the relief package to help Americans with important things like $10 million for Pakistani gender programs. I'm not kidding. This is page 1,494 of the 5,593 page spending bill. In it, they did include $900 billion in relief for the American people. In it, we get to see things like $500 million for Israel, I believe $700 million for Sudan, and $10 million for Pakistani gender programs. I'd like to give a round of applause to Congress for passing this. My friends, in this video, I would like to give a special bit of criticism to the Democrats, but also some Republicans. The Democrats overwhelmingly supported this bill. I think only two out of the entire Congress, two members of the House, said no. And in the Senate, I think every Democrat said yes. Republicans, I think, mustered up a a decent handful of nays. I think like 40 or 50 in the House and then six or so. And actually more than that, I think it was like total like 60. So people often ask me, Tim, why are you always ragging on Democrats? Well, let me tell you the way I described it. Democrats will say something like, let's burn down the House and they'll light a match, you know, they'll light a match. And then the Republicans go, whoa, whoa, just just the kitchen, just just burn down the kitchen. And that's what we get. You see, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez tweeted something, and this is a perfect bit of hypocrisy. So I'm going to give special criticism to AOC and Josh Hawley, but I will also be fair and defend them. Just, Just hear me out. AOC tweets, this is why Congress needs time to actually read this package before voting on it. Members of Congress have not read this bill. It's over 5,000 pages, arrived at 2 p.m. today, and we are told to expect a vote on it in two hours. This isn't governance. It's hostage taking. You know what, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? You are right. Snap back, clap back. You tell them. You tell them. It's not right. It's hostage taking. Wait a minute. What's this? What's we got? We got vote details here. Why? Let's scroll down. Good old NY 14. And hold on a minute. I believe that's Ocasio-Cortez's name right there in the center of the screen with a yay next to it. AOC tweets about it. She voted for it. If you were really concerned that someone handed you a 5,500 page bill and said you're going to vote on it, I'd be like, no, no, it's called having a spine, but they don't have any. You know what, man? Let me tell you, my friends, I get contracts all the time and I get tons of people saying like, we'd love to do a deal with you. We're going to send you a standard contract to be totally normal. And I read through the whole thing and I say, no. And they're like, but this is normal. I don't care. You don't get to have this leverage over me. You want to send me a contract. I once got a contract from a big agency, one of the biggest, this is years ago. And it was like this thick of pages. And they were like, don't worry. It's totally standard. Just sign these five pages and we're good to go. And then you'll be repped by one of the biggest agencies in the world and you will be a star, baby. And I said, yeah, that's great. How am I supposed to afford a lawyer to go through all this? And they were like, oh, don't worry about it. Just sign it. And I said, okay. And I threw it in the trash. I walked away from one of the big talent agencies because I said, you give me something legitimate. You give me something I can read and sign off on. Otherwise, I'll throw it in the garbage. I had, a, I had a, another really big agency recently in the past year. We're going to make you the biggest podcast, baby. And they sent me a contract. And I said, no, 
If you expect me to waste my time reading over your trash because you can't give me a legitimate bill, no. If they took, it's $900 billion for, for COVID relief. It's 2.3 total with foreign aid and a bunch of other nonsense. If they took a bill, one page, $900 billion appropriated to the American people, $2,700 per person. Then, and that would be everybody, that'd be like babies too. Done. And then people would have a ton of money and they'd have money to go spend. Instead, they give us this relief package with a bunch of other nonsense in it. To be fair, the $900 billion is for COVID relief. So there's like, you know, business, small business grants and PPP, but there's also like, you know, the Smithsonian and other places are going to be getting a big chunk of money. The bigger issue is not just the COVID stimulus package, which I do think there's a problem with. It's the total $2.3 trillion government spending bill. Now, you see, Twitter is trying to stop this narrative. On, on Twitter right now, what's happening? Politics last night, they say. U.S. Congress passes $900 billion COVID-19 stimulus package as part of a $2.3 trillion government spending bill. What they're trying to say to everybody is all of these things you're seeing about like gender programs, that's not the COVID relief package. That's the omnibus spending bill. COVID relief was just attached to it. As Glenn Greenwald points out, as Yair Rosenberg points out, $500 million to Israel is not technically part of the COVID bill. But a separate bill passed with foreign aid. Still at the same time, Congress said they can't afford more than $600 in a one-time payment to Americans. And don't forget, I just ragged on AOC, but I'm not leaving Josh Hawley hanging. Josh Hawley says, I will vote yes on COVID relief for one reason and one reason only. It contains direct assistance to working families. That assistance is not nearly enough, fraction of what it should be, but it is something. And for millions of working families, it's help desperately needed. That is the spinelessness of our political class. AOC and Josh Hawley can be like, oh, harumph, I say on Twitter, the bill is bad, but I'll support it. That just means the next time this garbage happens, they'll support it. It's not just about the waste of money. You want to give $500 million to Israel. I totally get it. But I'm sorry, my man. As the saying goes, when you're on an airplane, you must secure your own oxygen mask before securing the mask of those sitting next to you. And as our country is falling into despair and economic collapse and starvation and panic and fear, I cannot fathom who in their right mind would be like, well, the, 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 the uh, what is it? We, we, we got the federal debt to GDP ratio at 128%. The deficit is skyrocketing, skyrocketing. 35% of all U.S. dollars in circulation were printed this year. I got an idea. Let's send millions of dollars to Pakistan for gender programs. <laughs> Round of applause, Congress. Round of applause, Josh Hawley and AOC. You can come out against it. And I tell you this, I respect you for it. Because all these other people who voted yes on this, yeah, those are the true spineless individuals who are just going to collect a paycheck. Sure, I don't care what's in it. Yes, I didn't read it. Doesn't matter to me. At least Josh Hawley did speak up against it. At least AOC did speak up against it. And AOC was specifically referring to this. The COVID-19 stimulus bill would make illegal streaming a felony. Wait, what? You see what they do here? You see how they how they do this? Twitter is trying to tell us. Twitter is trying to say because they're they're manipulators just trying to keep you happy, ignoring the corruption and the extraction of the working class in this country. They want you to ignore what's really going on. 
They attached the COVID relief bill to the omnibus spending package so they could jam garbage like Pakistani gender programs in it. And you wouldn't say anything about it. And people like Josh Hawley and AOC would be like, but I have to say yes to it. Otherwise, the working families won't get $600. I get it. Working families need that $600. But how could it be that we are watching the government club us over the back of the head for a year so that we can't work? They reach into our wallets. They rip the cash out of it. They shuffle through the money, take 100 bucks, give $80 to some random person, say, here's 20 for you. And we're supposed to say, thank you so much for giving me $20. The Democratic governors destroyed the economy. And now they are extracting the value of the working class. This money that is being printed, it is diluting the value. There is the, the, the GDP is, like I said, the federal debt to GDP ratio, 128%. The working class are losing property. They're losing access. They're losing their jobs. They're losing buying power. And at the same time, the government is saying, while America is on its knees begging, we're going to take your money and give it to somebody else. I'm all actually for foreign aid, 100%. I am not a staunch America only, America first, or anything like that. I'm actually moderately internationalist, you know, to nationalist, not a staunch nationalist. But I recognize the sheer absurdity of being in an airplane as you, you know, you, the cabin depressurizes, everyone's gasping for air, and you're like, quick, let's put the oxygen mask on that person. No. You put it on yourself to make sure you can breathe and don't pass out and then start helping others. Because if everybody just started looking around at someone else, they'd all pass out. Talk about the sheer absurdity of a pathetic and feckless political class. Now, AOC says this isn't governance, it's hostage taking. She's right. Uh, uh, She is. Because what's happening is the American people in their desperation are begging, please, anything. Trump in October said, get me a bill. $1,200 stimulus, and I will sign it. And they didn't do it. And I blame Republicans as much as I blame Democrats. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, Josh Hawley comes out like, you know, this is a really bad bill. He says, here comes a list of corporate and government giveaways. Remember, negotiator said we couldn't give working people a single penny more. Posturing, posturing. I don't believe Josh Hawley. I'm sorry. I don't care. I normally like the guy because I've seen him fight against big tech, big tech censorship. But when he comes out and says, this is so bad for the working people, I'm, I'm, I'm so angry as I'm voting yes on this. Could you imagine if our politicians had spines? Man, that's why I would never want to be in government, never want to be. But I'll tell you this. If it were me and I was sitting in that chamber and they're like, how many vote yes on this? I'd be like, can I vote no twice? Can I can I like crumple up the paper and like slam it on the ground? And say harumph and like shake my fist because no isn't enough. Let me give a shout out to some some special people. Now, when we look over at GovTrack Congress, you can see there were six Republicans in the Senate who voted against this. But every Democrat and the independents voted yes on this. When you look at the House, this is actually really interesting. Republicans, we have 50, we have 50 Republicans voting no, 17 Republicans uh, not voting at all. Only two Democrats, only two Democrats voted no. One libertarian voted no. And that's, uh, uh, and that's, uh, what's his face? I can't remember the guy's name, whatever. But I'm gonna give a shout out right here. Notable votes. There were two Democrats who said no to this. And they have my, uh, my respect. Tulsi Gabbard, of course, 
said no. And as most of you know, I'm a big fan of Tulsi Gabbard, especially in these past couple of weeks. She has really been hitting it out of the park. Uh, I'm not going to pretend that she's perfect. I'm also a big fan of Rand Paul. I'm not going to pretend he's perfect either, but some of my favorite politicians. But now, this one may surprise many of you. Rashida Tlaib voted no. And I don't know why she voted no. And that could be, uh, you know, it could be because she wanted more money and stimulus or something. But I don't I don't care. Voting no on this was the right thing. Look, earlier in the year, I said vote yes on the stimulus package and we'll we'll come back uh, and, and maybe look at it and realize we made many mistakes. But that was de- a desperate time. Very desperate. We were watching these videos. We were all worried and we all agreed to work together. Slow the spread. 15 days, 21 days, 45 days. Now what? You see, early on, it made sense because we all agreed if we lock everything down for a little bit, we'll slow the spread to stop the hospitals from being overwhelmed. That was the point. We needed to make sure the spread of this virus was limited. And then they locked us down forever. And now they're telling us it's going to be two years. Now they're telling us there's a new strain. Now they're telling us we're not sure if the vaccine will be effective. Now they're saying that the new strain spreads in children. Oh, no, schools. It's never going to end. And so now we have the bloat bill with a bunch of garbage just jammed up into it. And at a time when they told us we can only afford to give you six hundred dollars. They're giving half half a billion to Israel in foreign aid. They're giving ten million dollars to Pakistani gender programs. And my favorite part of this uh, uh, of this bill, this was a Ford Fisher tweeted this out in the bill. I can't remember which page it's on. They are going to legalize depictions of Smokey the Bear smoking, I guess. (laughs) I guess it's illegal. So apparently they sell art of Smokey the Bear. You know, only you can prevent forest fires. Smokey the Bear smoking, but you can't buy him in the US. Congratulations. That's what your politicians got you. You know what happens when the American people were begging? They looked around and said, all right, uh, I'll give you some of your own money back, but I get to have depictions of Smokey the Bear smoking. And we're like, fine, whatever. I'm going to give a bunch of your money to that guy over there. Fine, whatever. All right, I'll give another bunch of your money to that guy over there for gender programs. And they were like, please, please, fine. What people don't realize about all this is that the $2.3 trillion that's being spent, making the deficit, the de- expanding the deficit, expanding the debt, is your money. You. They took it from you. They're betting against you. They're borrowing against your income tax and your labor. And then they're throwing you back a tiny piece and saying, have at it. And you're supposed to be happy. You know what I want to see? I want to see more Rand Pauls. I want to see more of these. Look at this. I tell you, you, this is exactly why I rag on Democrats all the time. Look at the list of people who voted no, just right here. You do have a bunch of other Republicans who voted no or abstained. But we've got people like Justin Amash. That's his name. That's the libertarian guy. He voted no. Bravo. Good, sir. Never been a, the biggest fan of him or Richard Tlaib, but I respect them tremendously. And I want to give them a legitimate round of applause for saying no to this. I look at Jim Jordan. I look at uh, Thomas Massey. These are the people that I often say, yeah, they're doing all right. They're OK, guys. Not, not I don't know who many of these people are, but you can see the usual players are the ones saying no. Of course, my good friend, Rand Paul. I'm not actually friends with Rand Paul. I'm just saying I'm a big fan of Rand Paul. Uh, I've never actually met the guy, but uh, this is exactly it. People like Rand Paul standing up and saying no, just like his dad. Good old Ron Paul, Dr. No. Ron Paul famous for just saying no to all of this government spending and trash. I'll tell you what they're doing to us right now. In our most desperate time, all of these people are jamming in 
Nonsense. Look at this. The Verge sweeping new copyright measures poised to pass in spending bill. Twitter will tell you in their stupid little viral trend thing that it's not the COVID relief bill. That's something different. It's just they voted on it at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Would this have passed? Would gender program money passed if if these uh, uh, Democrats and Republicans weren't being screamed at by people about how they needed stimulus package? Josh Hawley said that the only reason he's voting for this is because it provides direct assistance to working families. If it wasn't for the $600, would he have said no? He should have said no either way, but he didn't. He supported it. And Rand Paul lit up the floor. Fox News reports. Senator Rand Paul addressed the Senate, uh, Senate Monday afternoon as his colleagues prepared to vote for a $900 billion coronavirus relief package and told his fellow Republicans who backed the stimulus they are no better than Democrats they criticize who align themselves with socialism. To so-called conservatives who are quick to identify the socialism of Democrats, if you vote for this spending monstrosity, you are no better. The House passed the relief package and lawmakers tacked on a $1.4 trillion catch-all spending bill prior to the Christmas holiday. Oh, it's so good. They did it at a time when they thought no one would be paying attention. They did it at a time when people were most desperate. And instead of coming out and saying, we are taking $1.4 trillion of your money to give to who knows what and who knows where, they said, we are voting to give you $600. As if that would be enough to do anything for the average working family. But sure. They say, quote, Rand Paul, I believe. If free money was the answer, if money really did grow on trees, why not give more free money? Why not give it out all the time? Why stop at $600 a person? Why not 1000 Why not 2000 Maybe these new free money Republicans should join the Everybody Gets a Guaranteed Income Caucus. Why not $20,000 a year for everybody? Why not $30,000? If we can print money with impunity, why not do it? It's actually quite simple. If you are printing money, but producing nothing of value, then the money becomes worthless. Ha ha. It's actually a really, really uh, uh, simple, <laughs> simple equation. Right now, people aren't working. They're not producing. They're not making stuff and they're not servicing. So you're like, you know, waiters and waitress and stuff like that, the service industry. So nobody's exchanging money. And the money you do get is good for only some things, um, basic necessities and uh, paying your rent and maybe things like that. If you can't do all that much with it, well, why would somebody want it? So I think about internationally, the demand for U.S. dollars. I guess you can still buy oil with it, so it still has its value. But my friends, what we are seeing is the hostage, the hostage situation, as AOC said, and and rightly so, of the extraction of the wealth of the working class, what limited wealth they actually have, to the elites, to foreign interests, to rich people in foreign countries. And they're doing it while you are on your knees begging for help. And in your most desperate, they have taken it from you to give to somebody else. Rand Paul is right. He absolutely is. And my my friends, you know, I I pulled up the gender programs thing because people are pointing it out. You can just open up the bill and press control find and type in things that are absurd or ridiculous. And you will find the absurd and the ridiculous. Does it make sense for $10 million dollars? of this to be going to gender programs in Pakistan when the American people are seeing what a third or more of their businesses completely destroyed? No, the answer is no, it doesn't. And I'm sorry, even giving money to Israel and other countries in foreign aid and defense spending doesn't make sense. I'm sorry, it doesn't. But that's what you will continue to get so long as you have politicians who will just vote yes. So let me make one thing clear. 
I want to be very, very, very clear here. Listen, listen, Ted Cruz said no. Mike Lee, Ron Johnson, Marsha Blackburn, Rick Scott, and Rand Paul all said no on this, uh, uh, in, in, in the Senate on this bill. Josh Hawley, he caved. And so long as you have politicians who are more interested in collecting a paycheck, these all these people who voted yes, they're phoning it in. They don't care. They're like, what's the bill? I don't know. I'm not going to read it. Whatever. Yay. Think about how insane that is. Think about if you lived in a house and everybody pooled their money to pay rent. And then one day, one, one of the roommates was like, I propose that uh, uh, I get to take this money and, and, and go to Big John's Pizza and have a pizza party for myself. And then it's like all in favor. And then the other roommates are like, yeah, 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 fine, whatever. And he's like, great. And then you're like, bro, dude, dude, no, no. What are you doing with my money? It's like, ah, here's a hundred bucks. Be happy. It's like, bro, I gave you 200 bucks. That's what we're getting. And then eventually you get evicted. Eventually you can't pay your bills. I'm impressed. I really, really am. The fact that this is, this, this is the system we have where 92 to six, they vote support this in the Senate and 359 to 53 in the house. They vote to support it. Nobody knows what's in it other than weird nonsense garbage. But so long as they can pretend that they were forced to do it, then they're safe. And that, my friends, is Josh Hawley. And so long as they can pretend it wasn't their fault, they just didn't have time. It's not her fault. Then AOC can vote yes. She can complain about it and then vote yes. Hawley can complain about it and then vote yes. I guess complaining about it's better than just saying nothing and voting yes. But you know what we need? We need more Rand Pauls. We need more Tulsi Gabbards. And yes, even now, Justin Amash and Rashid Tlaib. We need politicians are going to be like, if I can't read it, I won't support it. But but bravo, America. I hope you're happy getting back $600 of the money they took from you. And that won't change because this is a system we have. Our politicians don't care at all. We've got a handful, a handful that are saying, I reject, I refuse. Most of them just don't care. They phone it in. They show up and they're like, whatever, just, just do whatever you want. I don't care. And that's what we vote for. Well, right now, trending on uh, Twitter, uh, not not a big trend, though, is uh, vote them all out. Would be nice. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. On the night of December 21st, 2020, Donald Trump facing potentially the end of his presidency held a secret meeting. At least 15 members of the House joined in discussing a plan to object to the electoral results and challenge them come January 6th, the day a joint session of Congress is held to count the electoral votes. Only this night, something was different. Not only was it an 800-year cycle of Jupiter and Saturn aligning, creating the Christmas star, but one man at this meeting truly held substantial power. And that man was Mike Pence. Okay, I'll drop the bit. It does sound a bit crazy or a bit enticing, and maybe something will come of it. We'll see. But yes, Donald Trump held a meeting with many members of Congress talking about objecting to the results of the election. The electoral votes happened on the 14th. January 6th is when the vote will happen. But as the media is reporting that Donald Trump met with these people, they're leaving out the most important man in the room, Mike Pence. That's the point I was trying to make. You see, on January 6th, Mike Pence is the one who actually counts the votes. He's going to hold them up and say, I count here by this and we'll see who wins. I think it's kind of crazy that the incumbent vice president actually gets to count the votes to determine whether or not he can keep power. 
you know, I think there's a lot of incentive for someone like Mike Pence to actually fight on his own behalf. And perhaps he will. Trump can't do much, but he is certainly fighting. And while we're seeing many House members say they will challenge this, and boy, are there a lot, we still need some senators. While it's possible that Rand Paul and Kelly Loeffler will be the senators to join in creating that objection, will it even matter if there's no legal grounds to actually challenge these votes? As most of you know, Donald Trump and his campaign have been filing a a series of lawsuits. Not as many as the left will tell you. They'll say Trump lost 50 lawsuits. Okay, those are other people. Trump has certainly filed many lawsuits, but not nearly as many as the media claims. And he's actually been successful one or two times or so. But even with these lawsuits, they've been rejected mostly on procedural grounds. So by what legal standing will they have to actually overturn the results of the election or give Mike Pence legal justification for saying I throw out, say, Pennsylvania? Well, I can't tell you exactly uh, what their reasoning will be, but I can tell you Trump campaign files long shot Supreme Court challenge to Biden's Pennsylvania win. You see, when I saw this, I can't tell you definitively what the goal is, but I kind of want to put the pieces together. Why would Donald Trump file a long shot SCOTUS challenge for Pennsylvania? Perhaps that's what this meeting is all about. A strategy meeting with other Republicans, Trump supporting Republicans on what they need to actually file a challenge. And just the day before this meeting, Trump filed yet another legal challenge. But maybe this one won't be heard. And maybe that's the point. I know a lot of people say it's stupid to argue that losing is winning. And Trump supporters seem to think that losing is the best path forward. It's not. What they're arguing in some of these meetings or or one of the arguments for the objections is that the Supreme Court has refused to hear their case. And because of that, they want the American people to hear the case. And that's what they're going to do on January 6th. Maybe that's the plan. I don't know for sure, but I can tell you one thing outside of all of this is that Mitch McConnell's certainly not in on it. He is opposing Donald Trump, and that's because the Republican Party is an establishment political apparatus. Trump is fighting against it. So we will see if he can muster the courage, the strength, and the political willpower among his supporters to make that difference and actually find a way to win. But let's read the story and see exactly what the meeting was. But before I do, let me just entice you with some baity information. Mike Pence actually said recently at a Turning Point USA conference, we're going to keep fighting to overturn the election, saying he actually was saying we're not we're not going to stop fighting until every illegal ballot is out and every legal ballot is in. They're still fighting. Maybe Mike Pence was just trying to rile up the crowd or maybe Mike Pence is actually the guy who's going to be in that joint session who says, no, Donald Trump won. But let's read the news before we get started. Head over to TimCast.com slash donate. If you'd like to support my work, there are many ways you can give. Got a P.O. box. You want to send me some stuff. But the best thing you can do is share this video. It really does help. I don't have the marketing department like CNN or Fox News. And if you think I do a good job, seriously, sharing is huge. If every single person who watched every one of my videos or just this one shared it right when they started watching it, just take the URL, put it on whatever platform, I'd be bigger than CNN overnight. If you think I'm worthy of that and you think the content is good, then please consider supporting the channel. Otherwise, just like, subscribe to the notification bell. And let's read what's up with this meeting. And then what's up with Mike Pence's statements about fighting to change the results? Fox News reports President Trump Monday huddled with members of Congress to discuss plans to object to President-elect Joe Biden's Electoral College win and force a debate on allegations of voter fraud. Representative-elect Marjorie Taylor Greene 
from Georgia, attended the White House meeting and said there's growing support for GOP lawmakers from the House and Senate to challenge the election results when a joint session of Congress uh, convenes on January 6th to certify the results. The vote was 306 to 232 in Biden's favor. We will be raising objections to the Electoral College votes for Joe Biden for multiple states, Green told Fox News. Green said the White House meeting included Trump, Vice President Pence. There it is. Trump's legal team and about 15 House members, including GOP reps Jim Jordan of Ohio, Andy Biggs of Arizona, Mo Brooks of Alabama, Matt Gates of Florida and Louis Gohmert of Texas. Congressional rules require a House member and senator to simultaneously challenge a state's electoral slate when they jointly convene on January 6th. Green said senators are on board, though she declined to name them publicly. Quote, some people just haven't totally gone public yet, but we're going to have a lot of people on board and we definitely have senators, Green told Fox News. This is going to be historic and the amount of evidence is overwhelming. Alabama Senator-elect Tommy Tuberville has raised the possibility of challenging the Electoral College, but GOP Senate leaders have discouraged it. Senate Majority Whip John Thune from South Carolina said he hoped Tuberville won't do it because the election has been litigated over and over and it was time to move on. I don't think it's good for the country, Thune told reporters last week. Trump, however, is rallying his base to fight for him. And I got to tell you, my friends, Trump doesn't have to do all that much. We all saw the, the, the COVID relief bill, they called it, the omnibus spending package, $2.3 trillion of good old American taxpayer money at a time when we are at our most desperate and dropping to our knees as our businesses burn down around us figuratively and literally in some cases. And we say, please do something to help us. It has never been more evident that the people in Congress do not represent the people, that the senators do not represents the will of the states when they vote to give $10 million for Pakistani gender programs and you only get $600 of your own money. They take it from you and they are giving it out in foreign aid at a time when we are desperate and our economy is is facing dire straits. They don't represent us. And so I assure you, people will be angry and looking for something to change what's about to happen. Maybe Joe Biden will be that hero everyone thinks huh? on the left. Is that what they think? I doubt it. It's the only people who are opposing this. In fact, people like Jim Jordan, he voted no on this. And Matt Gates voted no. I'm pretty sure Matt Gates also voted no on this. There are very few politicians who actually stood up and said this bill is ridiculous. You and your wealth and your family's wealth and your future are being extracted. And it's been that way for a long time. Trump called into a Turning Point USA event where he insisted he won in a landslide and encouraged the Justice Department and members of Congress to step up and support him. Quote, we are fighting really for the country because this election, we won this election in a landslide, Trump said. It's all documented. The problem is we need a party that is going to fight. And we have some great congressmen and women that are doing it. And we have others, some great fighters, but we won this in a landslide. They know it. And we need backing from like the Justice Department and other people have to finally step up. Trump has repeatedly alleged that he beat Biden. This we all understand. In addition to winning the Electoral College, Biden won the popular vote by 7 million votes. White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows confirmed that Trump met with the lawmakers in the Oval Office and they were preparing to fight back against mounting evidence of fraud, Meadows tweeted. On January 6th, the House and Senate convened jointly in the House chamber. Pence would co-preside over the session in his capacity as president of the Senate alongside alongside House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Pence's term doesn't expire until January 20th. 
If there is a House and Senate member appealing a, slate's, uh, a state's slate of electors, the joint session of Congress is dissolved at, and, the White, and the House and Senate meet separately for two hours to debate a contested state's electoral vote. Each body then votes whether to accept or reject the state's slate of electoral votes. Then the House and Senate reconvene in the joint session. My friends, I do not see any way that you're going to get the likes of, you know, like Murkowski or whatever, these these centrist Republican types or moderate Republican types. They're not going to vote for this. Will the Republicans actually have the majority to pull this off? I don't think so. So my understanding is that Purdue won't be there. Loeffler might be there because of the way the Georgia election works. I'm not entirely sure. I don't think they'll be able to pull it off. You would need the Republican House. I'm sorry, the Republican Senate to say I have, we, we've, we've confirmed the objection. And that then you would need the Democratic House to, I guess, also confirm the objections. It's just it's not going to happen now, possibly because we saw the Republican electoral candidates who did not get voted in. They held procedural votes in the event they actually, you know, the results are overturned in some capacity. Maybe Mike Pence argues, well, the state legislatures approved these. The governors approved these. Which ones do I count? There's actually precedence that he just says neither. And maybe, maybe, but probably not something will happen. They say a state's slate of electoral electoral votes is only tossed if both the House and Senate vote to do so with Democrats controlling the House and Senate uh, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell acknowledging Biden's win. It seems unlikely there would be enough votes to reject any state certification. Green said she intends to object and during floor debate debate present evidence of voter fraud. She points to White House advisor Peter Navarro's new report on election irregularities. She said the most important part of the meeting was basically to make sure that everything that we use is accurate, not just a rumor here and there, but actual real evidence of voter fraud. It has to be correct. She said Trump was in great spirits and he was grateful for the members who will be fighting for him in Congress. He deserves his day in court, but he's definitely going to have his day in Congress, she said. The people truly believe that they reelected President Trump, Green added. And uh, and as members of the House, we're doing what the people want. I, th- I think she is. I think you've got a bunch of mindless drone like establishment Republicans who are kind of just doing nothing. But sure. Now, whether or not Pence would actually intervene himself, I'm not entirely convinced. He is fighting for his own self-preservation, which makes things all the uh, all the more interesting. In several states, I believe seven, the Republican electoral candidates cast procedural votes where they said, in the event the results are changed, our votes are duly recorded and can be presented to Congress. In fact, they, uh, according to Stephen Miller, they intend to send those to Congress. That doesn't mean it's going to matter. It doesn't mean they're, they're certainly not official. But if the state legislatures say they are, they are, at least according to the Constitution. Mike Pence could at least argue, well, look, the state legislature said these are the votes. The governor certified these votes. What do I do? Mike Pence might choose not to count them, triggering a contingent election. I'll tell you what I think is going to happen. Let me just give you my prediction before we go forward and I show you more of what's going on. Because Mike Pence did say we are going to keep fighting. He said not until, you know, uh, every legal vote is counted. Every illegal vote is not counted. I think come January 6th, there's going to be objections. They're going to stand up and they're going to proclaim things and they're going to say, look at the evidence. Here's what's going on. And then the House will vote. No, they'll vote for Biden. The Senate will vote probably for Biden. And then because Republicans will defect as well. And then Mike Pence will count the votes and Joe Biden will win. 
And on that day, Joe Biden will be president elect. I can't predict the future. I can't see any other variables that might occur. So as of right now, based on what I'm reading, that seems to be the most likely outcome. Don't take my predictions as some kind of law. I have no idea. Ultimately, it could just pan out to be, you know, uh, a crazy. It could ultimately turn out to be something totally crazy. A meteor could crash and then dinosaurs come out, you know, space dinosaurs. Who knows what could happen? You know, Joe Biden could have a cardiac uh, episode and find himself unable to be inaugurated. I have no idea. But based on normalcy bias and everything that's happening, Mike Pence can claim we're going to keep fighting. But does he really mean it? I honestly do not believe so. And I'll tell you why. I've been saying it for the past several days. The Democrats come out and they'll propose a bill to burn down our house. And the Republicans say, we object. Only burn down the kitchen. That's the bit I've been using quite a bit. The idea is that instead of actually pulling in the direction of what their what their constituents want, all they do is pretend to oppose the Democrats, but don't actually do anything. The way I described it to some guy earlier was imagine the Democrats are in a car driving full speed towards the cliff to the left. And Mitch McConnell is skiing the back of the car, but he's telling you he's actually pulling it, trying to make it stop. It's like, bro, you're just being dragged along with them. You're not doing anything to stop this. When are they going to propose an alternative to everything the Democrats are doing? When are they going to say, OK, we'll tell you what our rebuttal to the stimulus is. We'll do the stimulus exactly as you want it. If you include a provision forcing the economy to reopen tomorrow, they won't because Republicans only play on Democrat terms. So I'm sorry if I don't see the political willpower from the Republican Party. Now, Trump supporters, I think, have willpower, and that's who's standing up for Trump. There is one last Hail Mary effort. Trump campaign long shot uh, uh, Supreme Court challenge to Biden's Pennsylvania win. Maybe there's something here. Maybe what actually happens is that the Supreme Court finally takes up one of these cases and says, well, we're not going to rule the elections out, but we will say the legislature has to issue a, you know, a, a final say. Then, so, so, so the Supreme Court ultimately doesn't overturn this, but then maybe they instruct the, the state legislature to inform the federal government who they're voting for, and then they vote for Trump. Maybe SCOTUS instructs all of the states to do so. The likelihood that I think that happens is astronomically uh, is, is near nil. I, don't, I just don't see it happening at all. But I did wonder why it was that Trump filed this, and I rolled my eyes when he did. I've been through too much of this. I've looked at so many of these stories about Donald Trump and the lawsuits, and I just said, this, it, it, look, Trump's campaign has filed a series of suits. They've been rejected on procedural grounds. And then you had a bunch of Trump allies and Republicans file lawsuits. And ultimately, it just nothing. Now, there's still some suits going through. We'll see how these things play out. Some of them are just patently absurd. But I have to wonder, the system is completely broken. It's, it's absolutely broken. When you see that COVID relief bill and that omnibus spending package, and you know that we are a suffering nation and they're sending $130 million for like breastfeeding programs or something and $10 million for Pakistani gender studies. Just where does this money come from? What are they buying? What value does this money have? No, it's just being extracted, taken from us. So now I, I totally get why there are many people who are demanding that Donald Trump win because it's only gotten worse. Now, this meeting Trump had, was not the only thing he's talking about. You see, there was another meeting. The Guardian reports conspiracy theorist lawyer Sidney Powell spotted at White House again. Oh, again. That's right, my friends. 
The first report was that Donald Trump was planning on appointing Sidney Powell as special counsel to investigate election fraud. That would be glorious. Absolutely amazing. I want and encourage this. No, I don't agree uh, with Sidney Powell in terms of her statements on Dominion and all those other things. I don't believe her accusations uh, on Smartmatic and Dominion and a bunch of these things, and I've looked into it. I know there are a lot of people who want it all to be true and believe it because they've seen a bunch of videos and like that. Look, I, I, I just don't see it. I'm sorry, but that's okay. You know why? I want it to happen. Good. I actually think it'd be a good thing. Sidney Powell would get in there and kind of, you know, dig through the system a little bit. And I think it would be an improvement, even if she's wrong about Dominion voting systems and fraud or whatever is irrelevant. The fact that we would have someone who's very suspicious of it, digging through it is better than what we got from the DOJ already. I'm, I'm surprised, you know, when I see Bill Barr said, that, you know, his, his quote several weeks ago was, to date, we have not seen evidence that would have changed the res- you know, results of the election. I can respect that. But why aren't you investigating any of this stuff? Because I'll tell you this, I have seen personal, personally, I've seen and corroborated evidence of what are described as potentially illegal ballots. The reason I put it that way is that's what it, the way it was described to me. It would be evidence of fraud. And I've seen it. It's from Matt Brainerd of the Voter Integrity Project. That needs an investigation now. The DOJ didn't give it to us. I think Sidney Powell would. And I'm not entirely sure what she would find. But I'll tell you this. Bill Barr recently said there is fraud in elections. It happens like every election. It's unfortunate, but not to the extent that it changed the results for me. OK, Bill, no problem. I would like those people to be arrested and charged. So we just say we're taking it seriously and we're going to stop the fraud. How about that? Why is that so hard? What's what with Sidney Powell? Trump might be leaving behind a well positioned asset to prevent this kind of uh, impropriety and, you know, a potential fraud, even if it doesn't reach some grandiose scale. It's a good thing. What's the worst thing that could happen? I know people on the left are going to be like, Trump's crazy. She's a conspiracy theorist. A special counsel, dude. What's she going to do? Make recommendations for prosecutions that might get ignored, but still be able to show us evidence, uncover evidence, publish evidence, and help us get a little bit more transparency? That I actually like. I do. The Republican Party, meanwhile, I think is, uh, is, is going to fall apart. Donald Trump is the Republican Party. And I was, you know, I was talking to some people earlier, and I, I tell you, watching Mitch McConnell turn his back on Trump over and over and over again, watching McConnell brag, brag about this spending bill. And I'm like, you know what? You are just going to get angry people who turn on the Republican Party, make their own, and see it collapse. As much as right now we can say that the Republican Party is the party of Trump, there are still a lot of establishment uh, politicians and rhinos. Republicans in name only. They're still in, in positions of power. And with Trump set to leave, vacate the White House in you know the next month or so, these establishment politicians are excited and they're desperate to take back control. Many of the Republicans who voted no on the ridiculous omnibus bill probably just did it knowing it was going to pass anyway, and they can pretend to stand up for something. Many of them did it because they actually stand up for something. But ultimately, it won't be enough because two, uh, enough Republicans agreed with it in the Senate. I think only six Republicans opposed it. And these are the establishment cronies that are fighting to take control. When 126 Republicans 
signed uh, signed signed on to this lawsuit from Texas. They probably many of them knew it was going to fail. And so they said, I'll just say I support Trump to try and win. But these Trump supporters, the ones that you need to win, they don't care about you. They don't care about the Republican Party. They care about Donald Trump winning, which brings me to the biggest question I have in all of this. I wonder, I wonder if the Republicans are going to win in Georgia. Joel Pollack said the danger in Georgia is that Democrats are highly motivated to win the two Senate seats that will make all their radical socialist dreams possible, while Republicans are struggling to find the motivation to defend a constitutional democracy in which they are slowly losing faith. That's right. It's a great point. But I'll make it worse for you. On January 6th, Alex Jones will be in D.C. and he called for 10 million patriots to occupy D.C. in a peaceful demonstration. 10 million, he says, will be there. Where are these people coming from? I have to imagine that many of these people will be coming from Georgia. Not all of them, but a decent amount. Georgia's not that far from D.C. I mean, relative to, say, California. How many people on January 5th, the day of the Georgia runoff, will get in their truck, get in their cars, pack it up and say, we're going to spend the next couple of days in D.C. for a big protest? And you know what it is? On January 5th, that's the Georgia runoff. That's when the votes got to come in. Now, they could vote early for sure. But how many of these Republicans are going to leave Georgia on the 5th saying, I don't care about Purdue. I don't care about Loeffler. I care about Donald Trump. And what is more important, being in Georgia to vote for two Republicans that you don't actually care for? Without Trump on the ticket, many of these people aren't going to bother to vote. Then you add in the fact that many of the people who might vote because they're culture warriors or they're politically active, they'd rather be in D.C. January 6th is that day. Republicans are not likely to just drive up at 2 a.m. from Georgia to D.C. No, they'll come the day before. Maybe they'll go and vote first, for sure. And maybe they'll then go and make their way to D.C. Or maybe I think we'll actually see a lot of Republicans saying, I don't care. Loeffler and Purdue. So what? Some Trump supporters have already called for sacrificing the Senate so that we move. We're forced to move forward in some kind of accelerationism, I suppose. Why would I then assume the Republicans will will keep control of the Senate to give Mitch McConnell power? Why would Trump supporters want to give Mitch McConnell power right now? Donald Trump is talking about vetoing the National Defense Authorization Act, the bloated spending bill for uh, the defense bill, unless we get Section 230 repealed. Mitch McConnell, Senate to return December 29th for potential Trump veto override vote. McConnell defies Trump. McConnell teams up with Democrats to defy Donald Trump. Why would Trump supporters want to help him be the the, the majority leader in the Senate? They won't. If anything, they're going to be laughing as they wave bye bye, knowing Purdue and Loeffler are going to lose because it means McConnell loses power and the Republicans will get some comeuppance. You know, it's funny at the RNC and the DNC in 2016, where did we see the Democrats protest? Not the RNC, not against Republicans, against Democrats. Why? Because the vehicles for power are the establishment political parties. Right now, Trump supporters, well, they know they don't like Democrats. And so their only option is demanding of Republicans to help them in their fight. But like I said, Republicans don't do that. The Democrats will propose burning down the kitchen and Republic, uh, burning down the house. And Republicans will say just only burn down the kitchen. 
So then Republicans get especially mad. I'm sorry, Trump supporters are especially mad at the Republican political class saying you didn't defend us. So we want you gone. If they're already losing to the Democrats, why bother propping up those who won't fight for you? And that's why I think nobody's going to want to hand Mitch McConnell anything. Trump directed email criticizes McConnell, including polling graphic sent to some House Republicans. The odd communication was obtained by NBC News. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, Trump was saying that he helped McConnell win. That McConnell was actually doing poorly until Trump started pushing, you know, pushing McConnell out and, you know, his name and giving him a bump and trying to help him win. Probably true. For all the reasons I just, I just explained, Trump supporters don't care for the Republican Party. So what happens next? January 5th is the next most important day. In between then, we may see something Supreme Court might reject Trump's you know, latest claims, which se- seems extremely likely. On the 5th, a Georgia runoff will happen. And we'll learn, presumably, whether or not the Democrats will take control of the Senate. The best they can muster is a tie, but Kamala Harris as vice president would control the Senate, in which case everything I said gets so much worse. If Trump supporters know that they can lose two seats in Georgia, creating a tie in the Senate, but if Mike Pence is vice president, they win. Why bother fighting for Purdue and Loeffler? Trump can come out and say it. Vote for Purdue and Loeffler to keep the Senate in the hands of the Republicans. Why? That'll empower Mitch McConnell. How about this? You let Georgia fall. Then you go to D.C. on the 6th to fight for Trump so that when Trump wins the presidency, Mike Pence is the tiebreaker and Republicans do control the Senate, but with a weakened Mitch McConnell. Doesn't that make more sense for Trump supporters? Now, I'll tell you the big problem. It's not going to happen. I don't think Trump is going to successfully overturn this, but I would I'd be willing to bet personally that a Trump supporter would rather bet on Trump in D.C. than on the GOP in Georgia. If you gave the average Trump supporter a choice, be on the ground, cheering, chanting, rallying and voting for Loeffler and Purdue or Make your way to D.C. to cheer and chant and occupy D.C. with Alex Jones and many other conservative personalities in defense of Trump. They will pick Trump. Because it, because it makes sense, even even if they lose Georgia, if Trump wins, they break the tie. Now, if they lose Georgia and then Joe Biden becomes president, then Democrats are control of everything. They take control of everything and then they'll start stacking the Supreme Court and they'll have every branch of government. Should be fun, I guess. But ultimately, does any of this real this, this, this stuff really matter when the political establishment is in tatters and is crumbling? I don't know. I think in four years, it's going to get really, really, really tense. Maybe sooner. The rate of exchange of information is extremely rapid. And these past four years have been the most dramatic escalation in the culture war we've ever seen. States lining up against states. Newt Gingrich saying he won't recognize Biden. I think it'll get spicy. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up tonight, 8 p.m. live, youtube.com slash TimCastIRL. We're going to have a really, really big show with a great guest, someone actually involved, I believe, involved in these lawsuits. Apparently has something really big to say, so we'll see. Check it out at youtube.com forward slash TimCastIRL. Make sure you subscribe, and I will see you then live at 8 p.m. tonight. For the past several years, there have been prominent speakers, political commentators calling for some kind of peaceful divorce in this country. And now we have another high profile individual saying there are alternate realities here. Something's got to change. 
Just the other day, I did a segment from Cenk Uger. I was reading a sto- uh, an article from him. He's the founder of the Young Turks, co-founder, I believe. And he was saying there are three different versions of reality right now, the establishment, the right and the left. He was very critical of the populist right. Of course, it's Cenk Uger. Well, now we have this. Gingrich won't accept Biden as president, says Democrats, Republicans live in alternate alternative worlds. You are correct, good sir. But it Cenk is actually more correct than how he brought it up. It's not Democrats and Republicans. Right now on Twitter, the number three trend is vote them all out. Vote them all out. Republicans and Democrats and just gone, all of them. You see, you've got regular people, populists, and you've got political establishment. Republicans are the political establishment just as much as the Democrats are. Now, as I, as I showed you earlier on this morning in my other segment, Republicans actually stood up against this psychotic uh, spending bill, this omnibus bill. But my friends, I have some good news. Why? In fact, the Democrats have shown us exactly how Donald Trump can still win. Patriots, listen up. In two moves, Trump becomes president for four more years. Very simple. First, Trump must veto the omnibus spending bill. I'm not sure if he can. I think I think the way it would work is that he would veto it. And then they would basically vote again. Now, the amount of people who voted yes on this is a veto proof majority. So it might just go through no matter. I I think Trump can't actually veto. So I'm I'm kidding, by the way. The point I'm trying to make is in this bill is so much garbage and bloat and corruption. Basically, you had a bunch of Congress people just crumpling up garbage and tossing it into the bucket. You see, all that had to happen was for one sly Trump supporting Republican to write a very simple page. Donald Trump won the November 3rd election, and this bill certifies him for another four years. And then everybody and all these politicians have been like, I support this. I love how uh, if you watch my earlier segment, AOC and Josh Hawley, Democrat and Republican being like, this is terrible. This bill is so awful. (laughs) I vote yay. Great. That's political willpower. But ultimately, I think the bigger concern is when you have both the left and the right saying, vote them all out. What Newt Gingrich is saying is important, but he's missing something more. You see, Newt himself is for a long, he's for, for a long time, he's been an establishment politician. And uh, uh, with all due respect to him and the likes of any other politician, some are certainly better, better than others. They're in the machine. They're the establishment. So when Newt is looking at Republicans and Democrats, I got to say, what he's saying should be worrying to you. When we have street level violence between populist left and populist right, then you have street level violence between establishment and populist left, which is the cops and the protest and, and the far left. Now, the other day we saw in Oregon right wing groups protesting. There's windows got smashed up. I don't know who did it. Somebody, one of the right wing protesters, a patriot protester, conservative, whatever you want to call them, pepper sprayed the cops. When you have all three factions fighting in a big circle, well, that's worrying. In a big triangle, right? How about that? But then you see people like Newt Gingrich say Democrats and Republicans are alternative worlds. And that means that split has made it to the top of the establishment. When the establishment crumbles, then there's going to be a fight. It could be a political fight. And I think we're there now with like Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump. The political fight is then a battle over the remainder of the establishment. That's what we saw with the presidency of Donald Trump. The establishment became weak. The populist right took power and the populist left revolted. The establishment in panic sided with the populist left. 
Now, what happens that the establishment is back in control? The populists are bigger, angrier, and more powerful than ever, and they are going to tear things apart. Figuratively, that's why I bring up the vote them all out. When the right and the left are in alignment against the establishment, the establishment's in trouble. And I wonder, on January 6th, Trump supporters, patriots, conservatives, Alex Jones, says, they say, uh, Jones says 10 million people will be in D.C. on January. Okay. Well, I'm also hearing from people I know who are somewhat politically active, but don't really go out much, saying that they're planning on being there. That to me is a sign that I think a lot of people might actually show up. Now, I'm not entirely convinced it's going to be 10 million people, but look, they, they did an event in D.C. last month or whatever, and it was decently large. It was a couple hundred thousand people. This is it. This is Trump's figure, his last electoral stand. I think a lot of people are going to show up. I do. Let's read what Newt Gingrich has to say, and then we'll, we'll, we'll jump back into this uh, omnibus bill, and I'll talk about, they, they jammed into this bill a provision declaring the Belarusian uh, election fraudulent. And that's when I said, clearly, the system is completely broken, and anybody who wanted Trump to win could have made it happen. But this is what we have. The system in place is, is broken and corrupted. And you've got people in Congress who are literally voting to approve who knows what millions of dollars for Pakistani gender programs. Great. Gingrich says in an op ed titled Why I Will Not Accept Joe Biden as President, former House Speaker Gingrich writes that his unwillingness to accept the election results rises from an outrage he says he previously hasn't felt. Gingrich wrote that he'd been asked by a smart friend of mine why he couldn't accept Biden's win over President Trump. Quote, as I thought about it, I realized my anger and fear were not narrowly focused on votes. Gingrich wrote in an op-ed published Monday in the Washington Times. My unwillingness to relax and accept the election was uh, was over, grew out of a level of outrage and alienation unlike anything I'd experienced in more than 60 years involvement in public affairs. Gingrich also said the two parties and liberals and conservatives live in alternate alternative worlds. You have more than 74 million voters who supported President Trump despite everything. And given the election mess, the number could easily be significantly higher. The truth is tens of millions of Americans are deeply alienated and angry. If Mr. Biden governs from the left, he will almost certainly be forced to. That number will grow rapidly and we will win a massive election in 2022. Yes, I believe he's correct about that, assuming all, you know, chaos doesn't break out. Joe Biden could be our Buchanan, a feckless and weak politician who leads us into the Civil War. Civil War II, I guess, because Buchanan led us into the first one. Biden defeated Trump in the 2020 election. They say, great, thanks, Hill. You know, I live under a rock, so I didn't know that. They say Trump won the second most popular votes ever. Trump won more votes than any sitting president ever, gaining, what did, what did he gain? Like 12 million votes over 2016. It's unprecedented that Donald Trump was able to make gain so many votes and still lose while all down ticket Republicans were winning. And this shows you why people, Republicans, will not accept the results and will not accept Joe Biden as president. They say Gingrich has backed Trump's efforts to challenge the election results. And in the op-ed wrote, he does not have any interests in pretending that the current result is legitimate or honorable, calling it a final stroke of a four-year establishment wing, establishment media power grab. There, have, there has been no evidence offered to support that the results of the election were unfair. However, and challenges brought by the Trump campaign and his allies have repeatedly been rejected in court. Ah, rejected, but not denied. 
What I mean by that is not denied or rejected on the merits, on uh, process. They say culminating a pair of losses at the Supreme Court that now includes three Trump nominees. Yes. But my friends, what do you think happens when 74 million people say no? I made a joke yesterday. I love trolling on Twitter and I love how dumb so many of these resistance Democrats are. Uh, the, the establishment types. And for some reason, I got to tell you, man, maybe it's a low information thing, but leftists, it's kind of crazy to me. You know, I'll put out a tweet and they'll just say the dumbest things. So here's what I tweeted. I said, I think it's obvious. 80 million votes proves that Joe Biden was being held back by Barack Obama. Could you imagine if the ticket was Biden Obama? It would have been bigger than ever. Barack Obama getting 69 million votes in 2008. (laughs) Could you imagine if Joe Biden was on that ticket? It would have been massive. And this is also evidenced by the fact that Donald Trump gained 12 million votes. Imagine if it wasn't a populist like Donald Trump running against Joe Biden. Joe Biden would have clearly won in a massive landslide. Dare I say Joe Biden is being held back by Barack Obama. And now that he's running on his own, 80 million votes. Obviously, everybody has been begging, begging, and they finally got what they've been asking for, an old white career politician. And so many leftists and, and, and establishment Democrats are like, Duh, you're so dumb. You really think that would like, are you kidding me, dude? Man, these people can't understand like, you know, social cues, I guess. And maybe maybe it has something to do with the school system, the education system. I don't know, man. I tell you, these people just don't get it. Anyway, here's my point. What happens when you have Donald Trump? He won, I think, like 62 million votes first time around. And Hillary Clinton won 65 million. But Hillary Clinton didn't win in the right places. Donald Trump gained about 12 million new voters. Now, you can call it Trump's fault. You can say Biden didn't really get 80 million. They were votes against Trump. And I think that's fair to a certain degree. So I get it. But it shows you the escalation on both sides is the rising tension of disparate worldviews. Now, I saw something really funny. Jesse Kelly, uh, he's, a, he's a commentator, he tweeted, a lot of people are talking about wanting a civil war, and they don't understand how, how bad it will be, and you know, having to bury your son in a conference, something like that. And Frank Luntz, the famous pollster, responded with, this you? And he linked to an article from The Federalist. It's time for the United States to divorce before things get dangerous, by Jesse Kelly, April 10th, 2018. Apparently, Frank, you didn't read the title of the article, which is saying we don't want a civil war, which is funny because Jesse Kelly literally tweeted, we don't want a civil war. But we're at that point. I got to tell you, it's crazier and crazier every day. The disparate worldviews. One thing I pointed out yesterday, you have in California a mass exodus, or is this a couple days ago? There's 844,000 people who have signed a petition calling for a recall of California Governor Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom is an authoritarian crackpot, but people are trying to get him recalled. They need another, I think, 800,000 or so or 700,000 signatures to trigger a special election. I think it's good they're doing it. I'm not sure it will matter. You know why? At the same time, California is dealing with a mass exodus. People are fleeing the state in in greater and greater numbers. Interestingly, there's a net negative. um, uh, There's a negative net migration from Americans and a net positive migration from foreign citizens, which means California is becoming less American citizen and more foreign uh, immigrant. 
These people who are leaving California are the people you need to sign that petition to get Newsom recalled, but they're going to Texas, Idaho, Wyoming, et cetera. They're getting out. So what happens in two years? Well, Newt Gingrich says there's going to be a massive backlash and Republicans will win. I'm not convinced. I'm not entirely convinced. Red states will become redder and blue states will become bluer and blue states have more congressional seats because denser population around cities. Not every blue state. Not every red state. Okay, obviously. But what happens then when all of the people who are like, yo, I should be allowed to own a gun. What happens when those people are attacked, oppressed or threatened by Joe Biden's presidency? What happens when Joe Biden gets what he wants? He wants an assault weapons ban. Something that makes literally no sense. You know, if you've done any research on it and even doing a cursory glance, I can tell you it makes no sense. I understand the general idea of wanting some kind of gun control measures that I get. You'd be surprised in some places it's insanely easy to get guns. All right. You'd think there would be some kind of reasonable approach that Joe Biden or the Democrats would bring about, but they only bring about absurdity and insanity. They, they tell you certain things are banned for cosmetic reasons. It makes no sense. So I'll tell you a story tell you a story. So I recently became a gun owner this year. And I was talking to a gun shop owner about a a very famous case where a woman from Pennsylvania apparently didn't realize, even though she was permitted to carry a weapon, that she went into New Jersey. She was going to Atlantic City to go gamble. And when she got pulled over, she did the responsible thing as a responsible law abiding citizen. And when the officer came up to the window, she said, I want to let you know that I am armed. And he said, "Okay, you're under arrest for a felony possession or whatever. Why would you do this to someone? And that's why people refer to states like New Jersey and a bunch of other states as like the evil seven. Why would you do that to somebody? If you're a cop, you swear an oath to the Constitution and some bumbling 40 something year old woman says, I'm just going to meet the girls to gamble in Atlantic City. And then when you're like, ma'am, you see a gun. Why would you be like, well, I'm going to put this woman in prison for years. That makes no sense. Why wouldn't you just be like, ma'am, we have a law in this state. You cannot have a concealed weapon. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to escort you back to the bridge and you need to go back to Pennsylvania because you cannot bring that weapon. What you got to understand about Pennsylvania and New Jersey and New York and New Jersey is that if you live in Philadelphia, New Jersey is basically a suburb. We have no reasonable approach to politics. We have no human approach to politics and justice and law in this country. And that's why I bring this up specifically about the peaceful divorce scenario. When both the populist left and the right want all of Congress gone, we have a problem. And they do. And there's probably a bunch of bumbling non-voters who don't know or don't care, but it doesn't matter. They're not active. They're the ones who are rising up in the street and actually getting involved. If you abstain from the vote, then I don't think you, you know, you're not, you're, you're a non-participant. I'm not going to say, well, let's see what they think. No, no, no. You need to get here and, and express yourself. But listen, what happens if right now they got rid of every congressperson? That would be a start, I guess. And then we get a whole new wave of people in Congress. And what would they do? Probably the same things. So we have no way to stop this train, which is about to crash into a wall, which is funding things like $10 million for for Pakistani gender programs. Take a look at this one from Town Hall. Here's, Here's a few things that are in the bill. Climate Security Advisory Council. Let's see, the Invasive Species Assessments Mitigation and Reductions, $130 million. That's amazing. Now, now people are saying it's the COVID bill. It's the omnibus spending bill. But I do think it's fair to call it the COVID bill because that's their justification for passing the whole thing. They're worried about water resources on the Tibetan plateau. That's great. It looks like uh, about a million dollars for, what is this? Oh, the Tibetan issues. Wonderful, wonderful. 
creating a U.S. India Gandhi King Development Foundation, $30 million. Assistance for Tibetan refugees, I'm actually not too uh, put out by, uh, by that, you know what I mean? Tibet, China, yeah, they got issues. The point is, these aren't the worst things I've seen. The $10 million for gender programs in Pakistan certainly is absurd. But the left and the right are both upset about this. The left is upset that the stimulus package isn't enough. But that doesn't work for the people on the right. The left's answer is give everyone more money. The right's answer is open up the economy. If the left and the Democrats want to shut down their economies, fine, they can do it. So long as you allow the red states to do what they want to do as well. And this is where the problem arises. The federal government cannot accurately represent both factions of the culture war as they break apart. That's the establishment, the politicians in Congress. That's the establishment. So they're fumbling. They're falling apart desperately trying to do something and do, and still doing nothing. I don't think they actually care for the most part. Only a handful of politicians actually said no to this bill. Only two Democrats, Rashida Tlaib and Tulsi Gabbard. Good for them. My respect. So what happens then? If we get rid of the federal government, it will go back to the populist battlefront. The left and the right arguing now for the, what the solution is. Yes, I think Jesse Kelly is correct. Unfortunately, and it's kind of scary, the left wants more government spending, more government control, more government authority. They want everything to be locked down. I had Destiny on the IRL podcast, and he said we need a hard lockdown, a complete and total two-month stop, and then a stimulus package to make sure everyone gets through that. And I'm like, okay, I understand that. That makes sense. Right now, we have a half-baked approach because we have some partial opening. Some states are open, some are closed, and doing half of, of both isn't working, I guess. Now, we did, for the most part, have a near total shutdown. I don't think it's going to work. So you know what? He can advocate for that. I'll advocate for reopening the economy and protecting the vulnerable. I'm still in favor of a stimulus package on top of that. We can figure it out. But there's the divide from the left and the right. Why should someone in New York City who lives in a concrete cubicle stacked on top of some of a bunch of other people in a place that smells like sour milk? Why should they dictate what someone in West Virginia is doing? That's the problem. It doesn't work. Cities have become so insanely different from rural areas. It doesn't make sense anymore. So Joe Biden says assault weapons ban, ban of all online sales of accessories and firearm related you know, items. And it's like, well, why does that make sense? Why does it make sense? You need look, if, if you're concerned that someone in, say, Indiana can buy a gun and bring it to Chicago, then get security when people are coming into Illinois. That's your problem, not banning guns across the entire country or banning guns for people in Indiana. That's what Joe Biden wants to do. So here's the big battle. The Democrats want this country, no matter where you are, no matter who you are, to reflect their image. The Republicans want to be left alone, which leads us to an untenable situation. Republican politicians doing nothing to stop the Democrats saying this is what must be. If you live in New York City, you got cops on every corner and you like your cops and you're OK with everything they're doing. Apparently, the left isn't because they protest the cops all the time. But if you vote for this and you support it and you don't want guns, then fine. So be it. That's you to then have these blue locations vote on behalf of red locations saying you can't have guns makes no sense. Culminating in a very famous tweet where someone said, what if I, you know, when they wanted to ban assault rifles, says what happens if 30 to 50 feral hogs you know, come out of my property. What do I do? And all of the Democrat leftist types are like, you're so dumb. What are you going to 50 hogs? What are you, gonna, are you crazy? 50 hogs on your property and you need a gun. Yes, feral hogs are a very serious problem. They're massive and they go nuts. I lived in a rural area for some time. 
You know, it's 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 really um, I, I don't want to say it's a red pill moment necessarily because it's not necessarily red pill, but you really do get a better understanding of the political divide. Let me tell you something. I lived in a rural area. I just gunshots just went off near my house because I'm in the middle of nowhere right now. I lived in a rural area. Oh, and 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 you know it's really funny. City people don't get it because they freak out when they hear gunshots. Like, don't worry, they're they're on their property doing whatever. I don't care. Anyway, I lived in a rural area. And uh, I, I was talking to locals. I remember going to a Trump rally, talking to Trump supporters. This is in Florida. And, and, and you really start to understand where conservatives are coming from and why they think the things they do. Two things happened. It, where I lived, there was a series of home invasions. And some guys apparently broke into someone's house. He was taking a shower or something like that. And when he got out of the shower, he heard a noise. And so he's in his towel. And he goes down the stairs, to see what's up. And there's two men and they look at him, point a gun and boom, boom, two in his chest. And he died. And everyone heard about it. And it turned out these guys, guess what? Non-citizens, unauthorized immigrants, illegal immigrants, whatever the PC term is, whatever. And so there you go. Two things that people in the, in the neighborhood started saying, you need to get a gun and protect yourself. And we are concerned about illegal immigration. And then these people show up for a Trump rally and Trump wins in Florida. People who live in big cities don't see these things and don't hear these stories or just don't care. Maybe they say it doesn't matter if these men are, are you know, non-citizens illegally or legally or whatever. Maybe they feel like they could call the police. The problem with where I live down in Florida, we didn't have police. There's like a, sher- a sheriff, maybe you could call and then they'd be like, we'll be there in 40 minutes. Good luck. Do you have a gun? No, I have more gunshots going off. It's great. At least I know that where I am now, I have a responsibility to myself to take care of uh, uh, my friends, my family, and be responsible. In the city, I understand if you've got cops everywhere. I live in cities too. It's easy to call the cops. They're there in a minute. When I lived in the Philly area, someone tried to break into my house. Cops were there in a minute. We heard the noise, called the police. They were there. They found the guy. They searched him. Everything was good. Apparently, the guy was crazy or whatever, and they let him go or something like that. He came back, the cops showed up a minute later, and that was easy. And even the cops there told me, you know, get a shotgun or something. And I'm like, all right, all right. So you have different situations and they're uh, different, different living situations. And they're becoming so, it's much, it's much more, uh, so much, uh, so much more extreme. That the people in the cities keep voting for things at a nationwide level that don't relate to people who live in rural areas and vice versa. That's why we've always had state rights, but it seems to be because of the internet, it's all going away. People are now arguing on a national level about what's happening to them locally. And so Republicans won't recognize Biden. Democrats don't recognize Trump. Where do you think this leaves us? Yeah. Okay. I won't say the words. I'll leave it. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up over at youtube.com forward slash Timcast. Let me repeat that. The website address is youtube.com forward slash Timcast. I get a lot of messages from people saying, but I'm on the Timcast channel. I didn't say the channel is named Timcast. Don't ask me why YouTube does this. Just type in youtube.com slash Timcast. And I have another channel where you can check out my stuff. So anyway, I'll be there at four. Thanks for hanging out. And I will see you all then.